your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. It is Friday, January 20th, Donald Trump Inauguration Day. When it comes around in the US right now, he's at the Lincoln Memorial. It's uh, 5.39pm Eastern Time, the eve of his inauguration, uh, enjoying some performances. Uh, not necessarily by ha- household names. There was some controversy about that, wasn't there, in the build-up. But uh, the global anticipation is surely as great or greater than it's ever been for an incoming American president. Some of that expectation is probably more concern than excitement, especially when we consider South Korea exchanging a strong relationship with Barack Obama for uncertainty with Trump. Let's turn to Michael Lustumbo, Senior International Policy Analyst at the RAND Corporation, for some analysis. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Alex. So, uh, upon his election victory, Donald Trump told President Park Geun-hye on her phone uh, before the impeachment, we are with you all the way and we will not waver. At this point, does that mean much? Well, you can't overinterpret that, but certainly um, it marked a change in the rhetoric that he was using about South Korea uh, during the campaign. So, I think you can look at that as a positive indication that um, there will be more sober consideration of uh, U.S. policy with regard to South Korea. Yeah, I mean, he may as well have said kachi kapshida, as we've heard so many times uh, under U.S. figures here in South Korea recently. But meanwhile, South Korea, for our part, is pushing to strengthen ties with the Trump administration under this interim leadership. Uh, So will Seoul's positive signals there make a difference? I think they could, but I, I think the the real issue is that uh, from both sides, um, there are signals um, that the relationship needs to be um, reassessed. Uh, that doesn't mean automatically that the relationship will change very much, but certainly when you put together the uh, campaign comments of Donald Trump, and some of the political statements that are going on now in South Korea about the um, the relationship, mm. um, I think it means that uh, there are there are a lot of things to talk through and that are on the table at the moment. Now, just briefly on the whole leadership situation here, uh, South Korea is going to apparently send a letter of congratulations to Donald Trump from Prime Minister Hwang Kyo-an. He's acting president here. Is the U.S. actually able to take an interim leader seriously, or or are we going to be in limbo for a few months until the administration's sorted more permanently? Well, of course, they'll take a a legitimate leader of South Korea seriously, but um, they will, of course, know the context that this is an interim leader. Uh, Maximum, as I understand it, uh, tenure will be December of this year, but likely uh, much sooner they'll be... Uh, an election, so I, I think that they'll they'll take the current um, government seriously, but they'll recognize it has a short uh, time in office. Well, from the U.S. side, what can we expect from key personnel like James Mattis for Defense Secretary and Rex Tillerson for Secretary of State? Uh, what sort of impact could they have on on Trump's stance towards American allies like South Korea? 
Yeah, well, you, you said at the top there's a lot of international concern, and, and I think that one of the things that has uh, sparked concern is just, just that there, um, there are not clear and consistent messages coming from um, the advisors and the, particularly the cabinet members. And so um, I think at this point it, it looks that there's going to be many different strong personalities and that they'll, um, they'll all have rather different points of view. And the question is just uh, how the, how the, president will, um, you know, uh, adjudicate those differences. Uh, that's the big question. Mm. It's, it's hard, of course, to forget Trump's comments on the campaign trail. But again, how meaningful may they still be at this point when, you know, when he said things like um, he'd be willing to withdraw troops from South Korea and other countries unless something's done to address the hundreds of billions of dollars that he's vaguely cited being poured out of the U.S.? Well, I, I think you have to take them as meaningful, but I don't think you have to assume that they, therefore, will become the administration policy. And so uh, the way that I interpret them is that there is a sentiment that he was expressing that um, the U.S. military protects Asia, not just South Korea, but including South Korea, while we open our markets to Asian exports. And he was expressing uh, unhappiness with that, uh, situation. So I, I think that um, potentially, you know, an initiative from the new administration could be to try and um, alter those terms, but um, but we really don't know. Do you anticipate any sort of nuanced difference between uh, Trump's attitude to South Korea versus Japan? Two allies, of course, that, you know, have been very strongly associated with the Obama administration, but there are obviously some some nuanced differences there already. But could that uh, gap start to grow? Um, I think that you can't make a blanket statement. I think um, uh, the U.S. wants to have good relations with Japan and South Korea, Um in, in the recent past, the U.S. has tried to strengthen sort of a trilateral uh, cooperation, um, you know, sometimes to, to more or less success. But um, I think that in terms of, I think your question is, is focused on, uh, you know, whether uh, there might be a, a change in terms of how the U.S., um, you know, the U.S. posture in Japan and South Korea. I think that they... We'll look at them individually because um, we have, you know, different relations with each of them. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it could manifest itself in, in a number of ways. It, it, we don't really have time to go into all of those. Of course, uh, the, the recent furore over so-called comfort women has brought uh, about renewed tensions between Seoul and Tokyo. But, but clearly... Um, you know, these are separate agreements as far as uh, military protection is concerned on, on the U.S. part. And as a researcher and, and former advisor to a U.S. senator, as you are, who's extensively looked into the budget for overseas American military forces, can you offer your stance on the reality of cost sharing, for example, here in South yeah. Korea? Well, I, I appreciate the question, and I think uh, you directed it towards me because... Um, a few years ago, in 2012, uh, I authored a report that looked at overseas basing and the cost to the U.S. And one of the things that people assumed before that report was that 
um, Japan and South Korea were fully paying for all the costs of uh, the U.S. military uh, on their territory. But we found that, um, in fact, uh, that's not the case, that the, the U.S. does uh, pay a premium for locating forces abroad. And, and so even taking into consideration the uh, post-nation support from Japan and South Korea, the, the U.S. still pays more if you compare them to what the cost would be if the U.S. Um, forces were uh, in the United States. But that doesn't mean that necessarily um, Japan and South Korea must pay 100% of the um, cost. Basically, you know, these are alliance structures. Ideally, um, you know, the, the, two con- the three countries enter into alliances in order to get mutual benefits. And so um, really that formula should should depend on the perceived um, uh, level of cooperation and what, what each country gets yeah. out of it. So, Well, I mean, there are a number of politicians here. Answer We're running short of time, but there are a number of politicians okay. here on the, on the left side of the political spectrum who would suggest that even the current deal is doing the U.S. a favor and, and who are opposed even to stationing third missile defense at American expense here on this peninsula. Yeah. So, I mean, just in conclusion here, are you also more concerned in a, in a, in a way about the Korean political side, depending on what administration comes in? Well, well I, I think uh, you're exactly right that... Um uh, things are happening on both sides that are causing the, the U.S. And, and South Korea to uh, have to go back to first principles. What are we getting out of our security relationship going forward? Um, how do we want to structure it? So I, I think that is going to be an open question. I, I can't really predict how the Trump administration is, is going to exactly formulate that policy. And certainly, as you say, um, it, it looks like it's going to be an open question in the South Korean election that'll happen later this year. So I think it'll be an interesting uh, time. Well, thank you again for joining us today. Wish we had more time, but uh, it's great to have you on the line. Okay, thanks very much, Alex. Appreciate it. Michael Ostumbo from the RAND Corporation there, and you can text us your thoughts right now on what you expect. Uh, Can you see relations improving or getting much worse under Donald Trump as US President? Powder Sharp 1013 for 51 per message.